Hello, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. You missed out a word there and it nearly threw you. What? No. You missed out there and then it nearly threw you and you I could hear your voice wavered. I, what? I, it's fine. Don't are we worry. going to start again? No, it's fine. Okay. It's not I have no weeks. idea what I just said. It's autonomous now. Yeah. I mean, those times when, when you're, it's not you uh, and I end up having to sort of frantically ad lib. It's terrible. That other gig I probably shouldn't have told you about. Yeah. Mm. Not the hiking thing anyway. When are you going to come hiking with me? I'm not. No, you're not. <laughs> right. Fine. Well, right. I suppose I suppose we have to have some hobbies apart. I'm going to be the responsible adult who reports you missing. <laughs> yeah, I should probably tell you I'm going then, if that's going to work. Yeah. Oh, well. So yeah. when is it in September? Uh, uh, yeah, I've decided bollocks. I'm just going to go for it. Because uh, I'm getting really anxious and nervous about hiking for seven days in a row, which, you know... is it's, a dumb idea. It's a dumb idea. But I've looking at it, and day one of the proposed itinerary is only is only like nine miles. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, Google, Google Maps says I can do that in three and a half hours, but I don't think Google Maps understands about hills or backpacks. But, you know, <laughs> I, I still think that's quite light compared to some of the hiking mm. i've been doing lately it's just obviously the seven of those in a row but i'm reminded of further along that footpath yeah uh, a bit that we have actually done oh right uh, that bit slightly outside swanage with the steps oh yeah yeah if there's a lot of there's a lot of that up and down, that up nearly and down. Killed me. yeah <laughs> well i'll be probably fitter or dead by then anyway i'm not doing the whole thing in one go eight different weeks over the next uh, years Life. yeah well i want to try and get done before i'm 50 ideally um so i better oh, crack ages. on i've got eight years after this august so you know and that's eight weeks so if i do one week a year i'll probably just about have it done by the time i'm 50 but hopefully i'll try and get two weeks in a year because it's a long long way um so yesterday i went out and bought 300 quids worth of camping equipment wow yeah i know i got you should see my tent <laughs> it's this one man uh, wild camping tent wild camping is essentially a euphemism for trespassing um and it's very very small and it's night black it's, it's it looks like it was designed for stealth it's fantastic the trouble is it's just slightly bigger than i am it's one of those like very small coffin oh, tents of course you, you one have, man job you have the problem the problem your what? legs are too long i've got <laughs> My legs are perfect. Um, no, there is the floor and everything. Yes, exactly. It's all, it's all you, you throwbacks are too small and midgety. Uh, so I've got a sleeping bag, three-season sleeping bag. Which um, <laughs> the, the, the The lightweight ones. Um, <laughs> don't go in winter. So that's temperature rated from, uh, I don't know, it says 20 is probably too hot. Uh, four, I think, is comfortable. And then below that, minus one is you probably... Sept- after, below minus one, you probably shouldn't be using that sleeping bag. Okay, uh, remembering that September in the UK, yeah. in Cornwall no less, yeah. is basically high summer. Well, it's an Indian summer maybe, I don't know. But I, it, I thought I'd go... I looked at two season ones. They were lighter, obviously, yeah. um, but the temperature range was only like down to about eight or something. And I thought, well, I want to be able to extend the range during the oh, year. No, it, it drops down below eight quite often, doesn't it? Well, I, I don't want to limit myself to only being able to do this in July, you know. Yeah. So, uh, oh, don't do it in July, it'll kill you. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a, a sort of self inflated mat thing to sleep on as well. Well, there's going to be stones and rocks, and it's going to be important to get a good night's sleep if I'm going to be hiking seven days rock in a row. Rock for a pillow. Rock for a pillow, rock for a mattress, and a rock for a blanket. Um, and rock for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Both ways, uphill, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I haven't tried any of this gear out yet, so I'm going to have to do a small preliminary weekend overnighter at Talk some about point my soon. Uh, I don't have a garden. This is the problem. I got home and I thought, oh. I can't, I, the thing is, this tent is small enough for me to set up in my living room, so I might have a go at that. I don't know. It hammering the pegs in. Like <laughs> hammering the pegs in will take a while, yeah. Downstairs won't be happy. But, uh, no, so that's 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 really sort of a sign of kind of commitment. I'm, com- I'm committed now. I've spent some money on it. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think probably late September... Um, but who knows? Maybe just hell, go for it, and we'll see. I'll definitely get some video for that. I need to look into. Um, I got a solar panel ch- USB charger thing, yeah. so the, the devices and stuff. But How might, much time does it give you? I don't know. I need to look into little power packs yeah. and things as well, just so I can uh, 
appropriately document the uh, the expedition. Uh, it should be good. <laughs> windproofing as well. Windproofing. Well, yeah, yeah. I need to talk to you at some point about audio quality for wind yeah. mics because uh, my phone's not got a big fluffy, fluffy thing on. Um, so possibly something you can plug in the bottom. Yeah, with there's a stuff. little microphone yeah. with a, that looks like a giant pom pom. I don't know. It turns out that the vlogging culture has solved this, and so there's products <laughs> on the is, market. This is not a novel problem. No, so I might have to look into something like that if I'm yeah. going to be doing any serious amounts of recording. I still don't like the way your walking videos are more popular than our gaming videos. <laughs> I don't know. It's just nice to get out and about. Um, yeah, so we talk about some games and things. Yeah, if we must. Go on, you can kick off. Oh, I'm going to kick off, am I? Okay, right. I've been playing a new mobile phone game. Oh, joy. I, I continue to not find a decent mobile phone game. I don't know if my expectations are so harshly shaped by PC gaming, a life of. It's just the format. I have trouble with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't recommend you play this game. All right. uh, this game is called Magikarp Jump. Magikarp Jump. Are you aware of Magikarp? I am aware of Magikarp. Who is the best of the He's Pokemon. the leader of the Decepticons. He's the leader of the Decepticons and the best of the Pokemon. Okay. Pokemon he is absolutely thing. useless in the games up until you evolve him, then he gets quite good. Okay. It's the floppy fish one, He's isn't it? It's the floppy fish one. That does nothing yeah. and has no stats. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if I thought, I would have bought the... Uh, uh, the plush one I got. Have you got an update? Sure, magic art. Yeah, and and basically set in this uh, village. Yeah. In Pokemon Land. Mm. I'm completely bluffing about my Pokemon knowledge. I've never seen. <laughs> I'm totally buying it though. Uh, and uh, this is a village which really likes uh, magic up. Right. And so what they do what, is shrines, cargo cult, all oh, that. basically, yeah, war boys, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what they do is they have this league mm. where it's magic up jumping. So it's how high the Magikarp can jump in the air, and they have these big leaguers of them. Right, okay. So so it's like an in-joke from Pokemon that's spun off and been given its own entire game. Yeah, mm. and I can't work out if it's a post-ironic statement about the state of mobile games or serious. <laughs> so what, you tap the screen and Magikarp jumps? Or is it not even that interactive? Okay, let me explain the game. <laughs> okay, it's all be good. You start off with getting a Magikarp. Right. Which you do by fishing, which is selecting one of three rods and then waiting. Fishing There's game. no fishing minigame. Oh, what? That's a missed opportunity right I know there. it is, isn't it? Could be quite good. Then you take it back to your pond, mm-hmm. and you have to feed it by touching bits of food on the screen. Right. Or you can take it off training. This uh, is a Tamagotchi, is it? Well, almost. Well, <laughs> I match Tamagotchi, but less interactive. Less interactive. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you can send them off training, yeah. uh, in which case they go off and then they uh, will do a bit of training, get some training points, which makes them higher level, which means they can jump higher. Mm. Um, and then uh, a random event may happen, which you may get to make a choice, right. which may mean a good thing Interaction. happens or a bad thing happens. But yeah, yeah. just a simple choice. Uh, and then you get back and then you need to trade it some more, feed it some more, wait for your training points to recover, keep going. Okay. Yeah. And eventually, you'll get to the point where your magic ops at max level can't level up anymore. Yeah, is that uh, the point? It turns into some terrifyingly powerful water monster. No. Okay. Um, and in, uh, and um, you'll you'll continue doing your um, leagues. And if you get to the point where you can no longer win, if you lose in the league while you're max level, yeah, then it retires. Okay. And you start to give a new magic up, <laughs> but you've leveled up. Right. So you can get a magic up of a couple higher max level. So you then train your new Magikarp up, and he can go a couple of levels so higher. So there's a kind of planned obsolescence built into your Magikarp. Oh, yeah. Do mm. not get attached to Magikarps. Occasionally, pigeon, <laughs> uh snatch them away. It sounds quite grim. It is quite it's grim. a metaphor for something or other. Yeah. Um, now, there's a couple of points about this game. One, not overly specs on the old interactivity. <laughs> it sounds pretty dire, yeah. <laughs> 
I get that you know a lot of a lot of the game loop for mobile phones is do do a few things, then come back tomorrow, do some more things. Yeah, That's if you ever, which want, is probably why I bounce off them. You know, if you ever want a game which lays bare the game loop, um, mm. this is one of them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, other things interesting, and is the coming back the next day? Uh, you know, are you anticipating that, or do you not much care? Oh, nothing changes. Nothing. <laughs> All that happens is your next Magikarp's got another level. Okay. And can get a bit higher. Right, right. I, I can foresee a point where it slows down and your next Magikarp may not actually be better than your last Magikarp. Mm. And you're just trying to get lucky. Mm. That sounds really I'm Yeah, I don't know if it's you just not selling it very well, the game itself, but I'm just not really getting no, it. No, it, it's... It sounds like another it's not immediate that good, uninstall. To be honest. Yeah. Now yeah. I come to explain it to someone else. It's a terrible game. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, now, sorry for helping burst that bubble. The interesting <clears> thing <throat> about it is yes. it does do something which I really love. Okay. It has a maximum amount of stuff you can buy in the in-game currency. <laughs> That's its big selling point. Yeah. I really love this game. I can only spend $300. It's no, I think so it tops out as something it, like 60 quid. Okay. Uh, which well, is still obscene. <laughs> But yeah, um, <laughs> you can only buy so many diamonds. It seems uh, that's good, or just buy no diamonds. I think. Or that, just that buy no diamonds. Yeah, yeah. And even more important, what do the diamonds do? They enable you to reset your stuff. You can do every oh, day. Oh yeah, there's a thing. So yeah, there's buy a, more. Do there's stuff bits there which thing. enable you to trade more often. Yeah. And there's lots of stuff which enable you to train better. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but the end result still being. The loop just continues, but a bit faster. <laughs> this is exactly why I've yet to find a mobile phone game I like. I think probably the only mobile phone game I've ever really appreciated is that Sorcery. It's yeah, essentially, yeah. essentially a very competent mobile phone conversion of the Steve Jackson Sorcery novels from Fighting Fantasy Game Book style They're all out now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think they finally did the fourth part. The fourth part's complicated because even in the book form, it did a lot of shenanigans with time travel, which meant that the book was about 700 entries instead of the usual yeah. 400 or so, and it got you had to add numbers if you were visiting again. And I suppose converting Games that into that a, a lot easier. Doing it in a game would be easier, but it does mean the conversion's not as straightforward, I should imagine. But, but yeah... Uh, so I got those, and I probably represent my only Google Play Store purchases to date. So I'm not a good consumer, as I think we've discovered a lot on this yeah. show. <laughs> I don't yeah, really so, do this stuff right. So yeah. I, I think that if I was to recommend uh, that you played uh, a um, Magic Up Jump, then I would have to have suffered a serious head injury. <laughs> no Could stars. Set off for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, yeah, right. So I'll talk about something else, I think. I'm going to talk about Mad Max. Uh, Again? The, the game, yes. We talked about it the last time. I finished it now. Okay. Um, I'm surprised I finished it now. I mean, it looks at that map with all the stuff. But you it, definitely are, any of it. it. Well, I've got... A, yeah, okay, but I finished. I mean, I've got a lot of pick up the loot from the little yeah. camp still to do, but I, I'm at the point where I bought everything for the car anyway, so more more scrap is, has oh, no purpose I'm, whatsoever. I'm nearly at that point. Yeah. And I'm still working on the second... Uh, thing and doing all of the uh, stuff around it. So the second fortress. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm I've... still cleaning up around there and I've nearly <coughs> maxed everything out. Upgraded all the fortresses, bought everything for the car, etc, etc, etc. Nothing more to spend scrap on. So, so I mean, yeah, there's the, the sort of abstract completionism of it all, but apart from that, finished the story. Yeah. So I was I was all set to come in here with a massive rant about, about vehicle levels. Um, yeah. Mad Max manages to somehow uh, 
dump a, uh, dump a unneeded and crappy vehicle level on you halfway through the main story, and it's yeah. a game where you're in a bloody car all the t- way through. And yeah, okay, I mean a lot of it's my crap driving. I will be first to admit, but it was so out of context. So yeah, minor spoilers for the story. At, at one point, you basically end up going to Gas Town to face off against the uh, Scrotus or whatever in in a big um, in a big death race, and that's fine. You've been doing these death runs out on the, uh, the main map, uh, overworld map as a sort of side activity all the way through and those are generally quite good you start at one place the, the finish line's somewhere else you have to go through a number of burning barrel checkpoints just to make sure you stay on a kind of route yep. rather than just a to b it across the open world but they're all right you, you work with your car's strengths and stuff that you do them in different cars the cars are similar this this story based bit you're doing it in the magnum opus and it's suddenly you're doing it inside these really narrow tunnels yeah there's this like underground like circuit around Gastown that goes through a whole load of tunnels and these tunnels are really sharp bends a lot of the time and also they've got pillars sticking out of the walls every sort of 100 metres or so and, and you will clip off those like crazy if you touch you can go near or touch them usually hitting them will spin you 180 degrees if you uh, bounce off one you've got to be absolutely spot on with the driving I suppose and yeah so I mean obviously I went oh, yeah, looking around on the internet and uh, you know after you wade through all the get goods I, yeah. Yeah, I've decided life is too short to get good yeah, it really, it is. really is. But there were some useful pointers there, particularly in the nature of building the car. Because the the big key thing with Mad Max is that you've got the Magnum Opus, which is this supercar that your your little your little hunchback mechanic friend is building for you. And you can swap off at any time. Yeah. Possibly not during the race itself. But but you can swap in and out different components on the car to give it different handling characteristics. And that's almost like technical racer sort of Formula One simulator type of things. <laughs> You've got different suspensions and tyres and stuff. And these archangels that you were talking about, there's one there called Speed Demon, which obviously which, which makes the car very light, but makes it very fast and gives it better handling and stuff. Yeah. So, and of course, up to that point, if you'd just been doing what I'd do, which is just maximum everything all the way up with no real finesse You get at really all. heavy with that armour. Well, you end up with a tank at the end, yeah. and that's fantastic. And that suits my style well but it's absolutely no use at all in this race section which is a really quite punishing you know if you screw it up more than once you're, you've lost type race it's a time thing you've got six minutes and you just keep going round and round and t- to try and blow up this lead guy in the truck with your thunder poons and and trouble is there's all these all these sort of interference little cars keep jumping in and zooming in and getting in yeah. front of you so you have to sort of fight your way through the through the pack and then get to the lead car and blow them up before before the time runs out and your bomb the bomb attached to your car blows up and I oh god I tied out seven or eight goes up there, got nowhere, was having real, real problems with it all completely. So then I went on holiday, um, which is why there was no show last week, I yep. don't know what you did instead. But um, then came back and I think uh, three hours of driving along the A303, I got in, fired it up, had a go and aced it. Yeah. Which is worrying. There's, there's nothing like <laughs> practical experience. <laughs> yeah, because I'd just been blowing people up all along the A303 <laughs> all the way home anyway. But no, I don't know, there was just something, I think what happened is I got, I, I, my, own, my own ability to do this thing was starting to improve but then it did one where it, it, it raced off and then I think I shot something with a hunt with a with the explodey spear and it made a careening thing happen so that the lead car got snarled up on yeah. the wreck of one of his own buddies and spun 180 so I end up just sort of swinging around and blocking him in <laughs> sort of police interceptor style and they just start, sat there throwing harpoons <laughs> at him while he was stationary and, and hey on we go with the story and the stuff I like it went, went on to some modern ground fighty bits and it all got quite exciting and plot driven from there and what a story. It really the one thing I mean, it's a fantastic game in many regards. It is utterly brutal and you know, perhaps gratuitously so, but then that is the sort of nature of the medium. Mad Max is a film is a bloody gratuitous sort of film. Yeah. But it's it, not for kids. No, absolutely not. But it absolutely captures the spirit of the film. I mean, essentially you've got this sort of 
side this little plot going on inside self-contained within the game which kind of mirrors the original mad max film he end up he ends up sort of reliving and essentially yeah reliving what made him you know mad max in the first place again within the context of the game it's it's quite quite good there's some really harsh stuff happens at the end have you actually finished yeah. it yeah you have yeah so the the story culminates in a way I couldn't imagine it finishing any other way, to be honest. You know, given the nature of the medium, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But, but you, um, needless to say, a film has to happen after. Well, quite. Is it set? This is. I set. believe it's set before the last film. Oh, okay. So when he when, at the because you end it, up, I think, with a car from the film, or maybe not a car. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, is that or you end up with the just set after <clears> the film? But yeah. But yeah, there's there's not really much in the way of hope or redemption, and you weren't really expecting any, given the sort of bleak nature of the world and the people in it, and Max himself. It, it really, absolutely nails nails the sort of feel of the films, the yeah. feel of the genre, and the, the the overall sort of mythic lore, I suppose, of, of the Mad Max series. Very good. I mean, there's yeah, there was a bit of a nonsense boss fight at the end, but it wasn't too bad once I've worked out what it was, you know, desperately hitting yeah. at me. I was supposed supposed to do, um, <laughs> but uh, was it hit the guy? Hit the guy, yeah. Hit the guy it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hit the weak spot with the thing, um, which I suppose I should have seen coming, but I was running, <laughs> dodging around for a good like, five, ten minutes trying to work out what's it want me to do. Um, but yeah, no, like that. Didn't ruin it at all. And then, yeah, there's the sort of... And then after that, there's a lot of very brutal and quite final things happen in the cutscenes and last sort of last sections of that game. And then at the end of it all, it goes, but never mind all that, here's your car, go play. Yeah. It's, you know, the, typic, <laughs> the typical Rome box ending, you know, where... It, you. you by rights you should probably stop at this point but there's lots of stuff you might have missed so we'll again let you play with it anyway you know precisely what fallout 3 didn't do yeah <laughs> but um but and but it, it really robs it for me again you get to the end of that and you just think you sit back and think wow you know the credits are rolling and my god game credits are long they are so many people involved in making a triple a AAA computer game compared to a film you know <laughs> but and then you sort of sit back and, 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 and then, oh, there you are in the car and everything's fine again. And off you go, have a play. And you're thinking, no, <laughs> I'm, done. I'm done, really. No. Or I can go there's, do anything else. There's not, there's not, it was, I got exactly the same sensation at the end of the Tomb Raider game, the 2013 yeah. Tomb Raider. You get to the end of that and you just think, wow. <laughs> and, oh, what? You want, oh, now I can go just go and play on the early stage bits again, looking for hiddens. No, again, it would absolutely ruin it, I think. I mean, I, I, yeah, I jumped in just to grab a bit more footage for the show, but I was really not feeling it at that point. The no. main story's gone, and it, it was such a you know roller coaster of emotion that just suddenly being left to just sort of putter about on the side activities afterwards, it just really doesn't do it for me. I mean, I could pr- see myself playing it again in a couple of years, a complete playthrough, but I can't... That's see- what I've done. Yeah, I can't... And I'm going through, I'm, I'm making sure I get 100% along the way this time. Yeah, I suppose if achievements are a thing, then, well, no, then you want to fill it I just want to, as I play, polish off all of the map. It's nice. It's a it's a great world to be in there. Is that I mean, we talked about that last time about the sort of melancholy, savage beauty of a post-apocalyptic landscape done well, and this is really done well. I mean, I, I was I was driving around trying to get just getting some footage earlier, and I got that one of the storms came in. My yeah. God, they're impressive. Really, really interesting sort of effects as it comes boiling in on the horizon yeah. with a big wall of disturbed air, and then suddenly whoosh! It, oh, it's just really well done. And then you get twatted around the back of the head by a container. <laughs> the crates, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay, well, I could seek cover. I could look for bonus loot. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, absolutely worth the money, a complete self-contained. And it's, it's odd thinking of it in those terms because it presents itself as the usual sort of roam box with 
many, many hiddens. But I'm increasingly seeing that as quite a superficial thing. Oh, it really these is. Days. I mean, Tomb Raider had a similar kind of thing. There were various clearings and, and, and mountain plateau areas you could go and roam about and parkour about and look for hiddens in. But they almost seemed like a backdrop that just had a bit of depth. Uh, and yeah, people complain if it's just a, an on-rails corridor story shooter where you've got literally no exploration. You are just working from set piece to set piece to cutscene to cutscene. But these aren't that different. But they, I mean, just it's the sort of you are going to go from A to B to C to D along this plot, but it's the in between the letters, isn't yeah. it? You can go off and try and get get between those points any any way you like, as opposed to you know the original sort of story based third person shooter where it is a corridor in, and you work your way down with no choice. It's yeah. <clears throat> I was surprised it was, it was over so quickly, though. But I think it's been worth it. I mean, I, I think I did pay full, full price for it, but it was what you'd expect. Yeah. And very good. Very well told, very well presented, very polished. Worked well. Didn't have any technical troubles with it. Recommend it highly. But, yeah, probably it goes back in the little box, and uh, I probably won't look at it again for another couple of years. Which but it's one you It's not a bad thing. To. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'll queue that up at some point in the future, and I'll really enjoy another go-through. Yeah. There's not much in the way of alternate choices or different playthroughs. There's no sort of good Max or bad Max playthroughs. And, and there's very little in the um, <clears throat> different play styles you can do. The cars the cars weren't sufficiently different in, in feel from each other. For me, it did seem like it was just a straight linear, just go maximum in everything. I mean, yeah, that ends up giving you quite a heavy tank-like vehicle but then that's what you want for most of the game just apart from that weird stupid racing yeah. section in which case you can just strip it down to speed and then go for it but yeah so uh, yeah yeah it didn't seem like that was that was about flexibility that was just an incremental power thing isn't it which will upgrade next and eventually i have all the stuff and you know the car is amazing so yeah good stuff i recommend that highly over to you i have this problem yeah i have been i've got this games console Oh, right. It's the PS4. Yeah. And what I appear to have done with this games console is started playing but not finished a lot of games on it which are currently annoying me. So whenever I turn it on, I, I think I should play this for a bit. Yeah. And then I will get annoyed and I will think, I'm not going to play this anymore and I'll go play on PC <laughs> or, or on Xbox instead because I, I've got Why? This. What's the difference? Well, no, if I had made the wrong choices on either of those platforms, yeah. then I would be doing exactly the same. If I had a couple of games that uh, oh. on the Xbox... So the game's which, annoying you, which is driving you away from the platform yeah. as well. Right. Uh, the games in question on the PS4 at the moment are Horizon Zero Dawn, mm -hmm. which I, I desperately need to finish to talk about, but there we are. That sounded uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's just annoying me a lot. Is that, that's a console exclusive, though, is it? It's a PS4 exclusive. Mm. And also uh, The Crew. The crew. Now, uh, over the E3 announcements, they announced the crew too. So I thought, I vaguely remember playing the crew. So I had it back from <laughs> my, my uh, stack of discs. And yeah, I got the crew when it came out and stopped playing it. I couldn't remember why. Okay. So, so what is the crew? It's a the sort crew, of heist racing game. The crew game, is, is a driving open world racing game across the entirety of America. Oh, well. Wow. Not including Hawaii or Alaska. That's quite a large playfield. Or any of the places. I, I, actually, I could get into the political problems with various um, bits of America, but no. That's um, not. Yeah. Uh, there's currently votes as to whether bits should be... Yeah, anyway. Um, what? America has protectorate bits. I forget what they're actually called, which don't have any uh, rights, but yeah, anyway. Hmm. Okay. It's like Guam, I think, is one of them. Oh, right. Yeah, um, anyway, you get to drive across America, and you get to do races... 
Okay. You get to unlock bits of the map by driving up to a radio tower. Guess the person who makes this game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I can't think of any way to innovate that, but yeah. it does need doing. Yeah, no, it, it is Ubisoft. Yep. Uh, and you basically drive around, you do races, you explore the map, you... Um, there's lots and lots of little things you could do along the way, like um, speed zones and whatnot, which, yeah, relatively interesting. And then there's plot, mm. which, yeah, that's the problem. This game is annoying me right. on every level. The driving's sort of okay. It's not great, but it's sort of okay. Okay. The racing, more down the arcade style. Oh, yeah, it's the, very arcade. Yeah, yeah. The racing, not particularly great, mm-hmm. but, you yeah, know, not, not terrible. Yeah, the AI is not terrible. But the thing that got me was, you know, I came back to after and I've been played it for a while. Mm. So all of the DLC had been uh, enabled, but I hadn't bought any of it. Oh, so you already got this, uh, I don't know what the particular term is, but you, you're feeling pressured into that you haven't got all of it. <laughs> Worse missing, that, missing so stuff. I thought, right, yeah. okay, um, what, what should I do? Jumped in, what should I do? Pick up your save game, keep going. Yeah, pick up the save game, right, I'll have a look down. What do the story missions say I've got to do? First yeah. one, go do this one. Okay, I'll go do this one. Yep. Drove off when there was this hot pursuit thing against a police car, against uh other car and proving that the police person was good enough. And brilliant, yeah, it was actually okay. It was a little bit annoying. Uh, if you got it wrong, it restarted you and you had to do all the first setup bit telling you how to do it again all ways, which is annoying. But... <laughs> And then I completed it, and he said, right, go off and buy a police car. Okay, okay I thought. So I, <laughs> went, I went to the police shop. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how it works. They definitely uh, wanted to see some paperwork, at uh, least. And tried to buy a police car. Right. Which said, buy from the PlayStation store. And I thought, hang hey, on. What? So yes. They've rejiggered the story well, no. to make so, you go and... The, the DLC stuff, yeah. it, it, for me at the moment, because I'm going into the DLC stuff, it's like landmines on the list of missions. Yeah. I will do stuff, and I won't know until I've done it now whether or not it's actually a DLC thing I have to buy to do anything with. Oh, so they've sort of slotted all this stuff that requires the DLC into the main story yeah. progression line. Yeah. In some way. Oh, I'm reminded that, of Assassin's Creed 2, where yeah. I think the whole, se- whole two or three memory sequences you couldn't do because so, didn't so, have the extra bits. So after I discovered that, I stopped playing for a while. Well, quite. They deserve the scorn and punishment that yeah. you heap on them. But then I played it a bit more, and I, did, I did, just went off. Uh, did some uh, driving around. I, I drove down to Dallas from uh, uh, Detroit. Okay. Um, then I decided to go through the desert and end up at the Meteor Crater. Is it literally an open America? Yeah. Presumably scaled down. Oh, massively scaled down. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, right. So it's not, yeah. it's not individual areas you teleport between. No, no, no. You, could, just, you could start at New York and end up down in LA. Okay. And problems. Obviously, yeah. Great, yeah. great so shortened. I, I went to the Meteor Crater. Oh, cool. I've been there. Yeah. I've been the real I know one. you have. Mm. Uh, there's, it, what's the racetrack in the middle of it like in real life? <laughs> <laughs> there isn't one. There's a tiny little hut down the bottom, and I can't yeah. work out what that was. But um, <clears throat> no, no, they don't yeah. have like street racing in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm assuming that there's, uh, there's a mission that races you around the centre of the meteor crater. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it looks pretty. It's fun to drive and everything. It's just the plot. Even ignoring the DLC thing, the plot is so bad. Is it on a par with Need for Speed type series franchise? Some of them is better than the live action Need for Speeds. Live action. Some of the Need for Speeds are live action yeah. um, video. And some of them are what? Super Marination or what? No, some of them are um, a normal computer game. Oh, oh, they're actually canon in the. Well, I'm talking about the films. Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking about the, the the games. Well, obviously you're the talking game, about the game. The games have video. Oh, oh wow, bloody. Some of the games have video. 
Anyway, so story not great. No, mm. no, actually, the story is actually worse than the Need for Speed film. Oh, well, thinking about it, there you go. Yeah, uh, and in you'd be surprised how few dramatic reasons there are to be racing streetcars yeah. fast along long highways and things. You say that the Fast and Furious managed to find a time every single time without fail and became one of the biggest franchise movies of all time because of it. Is it a Need for Speed film? Yes. Oh, okay. I was, th- I was thinking of Fast and Furious, to be oh, honest. Were you? I have okay. no idea what I'm talking about. You really don't, do you? No, I'm going to just listen to you for a bit. Yeah. The, the Fast and Furious films are really, really good. Oh, okay. And I'm not saying that ironically. During but the do week, they have ropey stories in? They have fantastically ropey stories. <laughs> well, that's but what I mean. That they have cheesy, corny stories that they embrace. They know that it's cheesy, corny. Right. And, and they run with it. It's a pretext. Let's just have some fun, yeah. And, and you've got Vin Diesel and The Rock grinning to camera all the way through effectively <laughs> so it's fine mm. which is yeah which maybe that's to be the direction the games ought to take then yeah, no it would need better writers than that and yeah. um, better actors and sort of turn into some kind pacing. of weird saints row spin-off or yeah. something well i see the problem is pacing yeah open world game pacing open world game pacing is a terrible thing yeah and you and might Ma- as well just not bother trying mad max how many times in mad max were you held up mm. doing the next thing yeah. because you had to level up a bit um, none, but then that's because I was preemptively going away and doing the pre-leveling, essentially. So, I mean, I, I was buying upgrades well in advance of the stuff that was being mm. unlocked by the story because I just have a completionist yeah, nature. Yeah, that happens to everyone. But that, so that ruined the pacing, but by my own hand yeah. rather than anything they did, no. But this, you know, like you said when you were talking about um, Mad Max, mm. um, it is a universe which just has bits of the game in there that makes... It doesn't really fit. It feel it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. You don't feel like you're in the world. You just feel like you th- th- there's something making use of the world. Unlike yeah. Mad Max, where it does feel like everything it fits. felt like it fit together very yeah. well. Yeah. This just feels like oh look, it, it, we have this uh, open world map of America. Oh look, we have this driving game. What if we put the two together? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of rather sort of by the numbers, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. it's very very by the numbers. And to their credit. Uh, the crew too looks mm. a lot more like a traditional racing game. Okay, and has Red Bull sponsorship. <laughs> At least I hope it's Red Bull sponsorship. If not, they're using Red Bull's um, IP uh. for motor racing and air race and boat racing okay. without any. There's probably some vast sinister yeah. marketing deal going on there. It's got Red Bull Air Race in it. Okay, so you guys have to fly a plane, eh? Yeah, it looks like it because there's lots of planes in the trailer, which is weird because if you know, I think the engine will. Hold up to that. Oh, it'd be a completely different engine by then. Mm. Um, if you know anything about Red Bull Air Race, which I assume you don't, <laughs> it is a low-level stunt plane race with highly powerful planes. Okay. That is down to precision movement maneuvers, yep. like to the degree ninety-degree turns in half a second. Get it right, otherwise it's not right. Okay. Um, you're not allowed to do things like get too low. You're not so, allowed to dip your wing into the water. So more like sort of figure skating. Yes, it, it is a te- Te- technical. Yeah, it's yeah. a technical prowess thing, not a show off and style fast. thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's exactly the opposite of what video game <laughs> flying is. Of video games in general, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. Okay. The, the number of video games. Go fast, uh, racing fly games, through the ring. Maybe. I, I will do well because you know I've done this massive drift around the outside of the track yeah. in a Formula One car. Scraped every single yeah. paint, inch of paint off it. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know in a, in a, a normal. Even if you don't wreck the car, they're going to be waving black flags to stop you racing. (laughs) (laughs) You get all sorts of penalty points for that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Uh, so I'm hoping the second one is better. But the first one, it's sitting. it is the disc in my drive at the moment. Mm -hmm. And every time I turn on my PS4, it is there. And the first thing that comes up is this game. And I'm thinking, 
oh yeah, I've got to play this game a bit. I, I really should. Yeah. You could take the disc out and put a different disc in. What if that has the same effect? Oh, maybe. What game are You're quite easily led, aren't you? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll put no disc in. That'd be even hmm. better. But then Horizon Zero Dawn will be there. And then I'll just get annoyed about the fact that whenever you die, you end up going back unless you do a quick save. But yeah, you can only quick save at certain points because consoles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Well, they all have massive hard disks in nowadays. I thought that whole checkpoint thing's not needed anymore. Uh, it, yes, but the uh, move over to cloud based saving <laughs> did uh, wonders for stopping that. You have a limit now. So you yeah. effectively down to a couple of gigabyte of. Um, Save file storage and stuff like when Fallout 3 came out on console, mm. uh, that was making hundreds of meg of saves, yeah, yeah, sort of dabbling with Skyrim a bit. And I noticed that that uploads saves to the Steam, yeah. And, and I got a feeling it's because Skyrim saves are quite large, they and, are. And I, and, there's a lot to keep track of, and you typically do a very large number of them as well. Every time you transition between indoors yeah. and outdoors, it auto saves. So, um, yeah, I wonder if Steam are gonna get arsy with me at some point and start uh, locking me down for. Usage of probably I didn't even know it was doing that. I didn't, it's not something I specifically yeah. turned I on. I don't think they do because one mm. that would require some competence from Valve <laughs> to actually be keeping an eye on anything. Notice the servers went down again during the Steam sale. Really? Yeah, but that is a sort of, I, no. I, that's I a, a solved problem. I was about to say an unexpected problem, yeah. but. <laughs> Steam sale, yeah, that, really. That is one of those things that every other manufacturer of everything on the planet has solved. Mm -hmm. And also, like they've done like five or six years of this in a row now. Yeah, should probably, they should probably realise that. that. Maybe spin up a couple of spare servers. Yeah, rent some extra capacity yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know it's going to happen. It does not come and take them by surprise. Oh, everyone's suddenly turned up on our website and is buying stuff. Yeah. I wonder why that is. All right, everybody, team meeting. Which <laughs> one of you did a Steam sale? <laughs> God. Yeah. So the crew two coming then are you excited yeah. um i am so, provisionally excited do you get excited about coming games anymore i, don't, no, I can't remember no, last, I, don't. <laughs> I can't remember the last thing i was looking forward to the last thing i was looking forward to was no man's sky and look where that went yeah no, i didn't you, actually buy it, it. no um i do get excited about some games coming up um not this year but the year after i'll be excited about forza game okay. not this year because it's just the mainline forza game and that's just boring racing i'm mildly interested by the concept of prey because it's Arcane Studios, you'll no quite doubt, like. Don't you? I could probably buy it now. You could, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't like to buy immediately though, because yeah. you know performance optimizations from shoddy ports are usually a problem. Yeah, that I, was um, that was Dishonored 2's problem apparently. No, that's why I didn't buy that yet. But I will, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure what else will come out that's that interesting that I'm excited about. This, I'm actually contemplating getting a Switch. Oh wow, is that the little little handheld? Yeah, Nintendo. There's a couple thing. of games on that which look interesting. Okay. Uh, Contemplating, it's consumer tech you don't own yet. Surely, I never. Surely well, no, that's no. a problem. I, I spent the entire life of the Wii U saying one more oh, good game, and I ended up buying. You never it. got a Wii U, no. Good point. Yeah, so but you do have restraint. Yeah, I do. But this time, Nintendo have announced or put out enough good games. Do do they? Are there any games out on this system? So what's the big wonderful? USP with the Switch then? Is essentially we're back to sort of essentially a sort of giant Game Boy then? Is it is sort it, of? Yeah. Is, it's the handheldness of it's it. Hand the portability. Hand, the, the handheldness is nice. The ability to then plug it in and have it as a uh, console plugged into your TV. Oh, right. Oh, it's an actual console in that, yeah. that box as well. I yeah. suppose miniaturisation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You dock the screen in and then it goes onto the screen. It wouldn't necessarily need to and be anything. And you flip off the controllers and flip them onto another bit. Right, yeah. Yeah, but there's, and there's good games on it. There's stuff like I want to play Breath of the Wild because it's a Zelda game and I want to play there's the Rabbids no game. There's no crossover and... between Nintendo titles and the rest of the ecosystem, is there? You don't see... The... Do you get stuff on Nintendo and... Xbox and PS4. Yeah, you PC do some well. games. Mm. Uh, 
It's used a, to be they a have lot, a lot of platform exclusives. It used right? to be a lot more common. Um, then the Wii U stopped doing that well, and then people stopped releasing on it. Yeah, right. And they're currently trying to convince people to release on it. But their exclusive lineup is the strongest exclusive lineup of any of the consoles yes. at the moment. Yeah. So it really does say, yeah, I can justify buying this console for this. It may not be the most powerful. It's so mostly console, just the Mario stuff. I mean, a lot of the Mario stuff is sort of quite high quality, I understand. Well, but... there's the Zelda game. Oh, yeah. There's the Mario Rabbids game. Mm. There's the Mario Creepy, I'm going to take you over by throwing a hat at you game. <laughs> Possession. Yeah. Weird. Okay. It's freaky. Mm. What happens to the person in the the soul of the person who well they're trapped in the back of their own mind screaming silently and unable to do anything at all because yeah. they're watching horror i imagine but yeah, you know keep, keep it light yeah there's plenty of good games on it so also the splatoon splatoon yeah Which, good things uh, about that yeah so yeah i probably will end up buying right. it, but i don't know when be interesting get some reviews on it yeah Cool. Well, I'm not sure I would actually because I still don't like Nintendo's policy or oh. if you do videos. So I'm they not... just instantly shut you down. Yeah. Well, no, they, they uh, do claim not... them or want to monetize them. I don't like that. <laughs> oh wow. So what I'm going to do is not mention them when I actually play them. I'll say if their games are good or not. Fair enough. Because if they don't want me to, I won't. No, no. Good, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Pay out to the people or yeah. something. Uh, here we go. Um, I'm going to talk about abduction. Okay. Uh, with an O, not A. Um, yeah, I, I was gifted this for, for, for a friend uh, on Steam, and I thought, all right, let's have a look. Let's give it a go. Because I think they'd heard me uh, going on and on about The Witness previously. It is that kind of thing. It's a sort of walking simulator with, with puzzles. Yeah. Um, so this is by Cyan Worlds, who you'll probably remember being famous for the Mist games. Uh, yes. I don't know why this isn't a Mist game as such. They don't own the rights. Probably that's the thing, yeah. It was a kickstart thing. It was a sort of breakaway thing. But, yeah, it's the team that did Mist and the company that did Mist. And because remember, Mist was one of the before things before the Sims came along. I think Mist was the biggest. It was the biggest selling computer, computer game, game of, all all, of all time. Yeah, so it, it needs to be remembered. Hugely that, popular. Um, what people consider to be these niche little, not real gamey things are often the biggest games yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 the Call of Duties and and you know the stuff they're, we play. They're the niche. They're the niche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mist being the biggest game of all time. I think largely because I think that was the only game you could buy on the Mac for quite a long time. No, but, there are others. <laughs> but um, one or two. Yeah, and then and then what was what toppled that off its throne? The Sims, also not a yeah. traditional game. So I don't know what it is now. Perhaps Saints um, Saints Row GTA may have got there or one of the. Oh, no, or something. no, well, so still probably the Sims. I have to go and find out at some point. I'm curious now. But yes, abduction. Um, so it's yeah, you fire it up, off you go. You're basically walking along a sort of nighttime mountain trail in some hiking part of America. It looks like, and then uh, a giant sort of meteor sparkle thing comes down, and a floating what looked like a strawberry made of energy okay. floats there and goes boom, and everything goes white. And what it does, is it's 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 taken, it's kidnapped you and a spherical part of the landscape you're in, and moved it to an entirely different place um you sort of step out of this cave and there's weird alien skies i'm a sucker for weird alien skies i do like a weird alien sky um and there's this sort of large large sort of chunk of arizona desert in sort of on the landscape of this other really weird alien world and it later transpires that it's actually trapped inside a large force field dome and um it's sort of, you, you, off you go trying to figure out what's gone on and it's told through the usual medium of uh, bits of paper and uh, <laughs> doomed holographic recording yeah. log things so and you're basically off you go trying to solve pud- solve the puzzles as you go it differs a great deal from the witness in in the in more the tradition of mist, the puzzles such as they are are much more integrated into the world. They're, they're, you know, it's machinery you're trying to yeah. fix and stuff. It's, whereas Witness, you are literally walking along solving a whole load of little grid puzzles on LCD panels, you know. So 
you yeah you arrive in this this town i can't remember what the town's called now but it's it's um it's deserted something's gone on there's some weird alien tech everywhere and sort of you know sort of 1800s mine carts all about the place there's a white picket house fence you know fence with house sort of in a sphere and parked in the middle so what looks like it's happened and you sort of soon you soon sort of get the idea of the basic mechanic here is that the some alien alien force is swapping spheres of from one world to another world and you find that there are basically four different worlds all interconnected in this fashion okay and there are these devices that take chunks out of one of them move them to another and at the center of each of these worlds is this mystical tree thing that's uh, sort of powered powered by weird energy and is trying to is, is got some alien purpose of its own and p- possibly these seed things are to do with that it's it's great i love that sort of ontological mystery this sort of there's a load of just weird stuff that that goes up and down when you push it and there's a, like weird buttons and oh look an, an alien language to decipher i just sort of love that kind of playground and um yeah also trying to piece together what's going on with it all it's it's very sort of walking simulatory. It's very well done sort of landscapes as you're wandering around, very de- high detailed. I mean, the Mist games have been getting like that for quite some time. I think I played the third and fourth ones. The third one, even in the third one, you were getting some really sort of interesting landscapes. And of course, the thing with Mist back in the day, because you know we're talking sort of '90s era Macs yeah. and, and PCs and stuff, all they could really cope with was was essentially a series of cutscenes, which you push left and you will go. You know, you push forward, you'll cutscene your way to the next point. At which point, you could stop and look around, and then if you move in along another path, there'll be another cutscene. And it would basically just chain them together like that, much like a choose your own adventure book, but just with good good animation cutscenes. But you know, in in later years with the third and fourth game. The fourth game in particular and this one you you suddenly have complete freedom movement because now we're modeling it in actual 3d rather than it being just a series of sort of pre-rendered scenes being delivered at you and cutscene. the one exception to that is they still for some reason are using fmv for people really this was a thing back in mist time i mean in, in later games as well they they didn't really have the tech or, or the wherewithal to be able to do you know proper in-game marionettes with you know lip sync and all the rest of it so you know weird terminology but npcs that you might recognize from something like skyrim or whatever wandering around talking at you and so on animated and stuff looking slightly terrible looking slightly terrible but um back in the 90s that was totally impossible so they just do little snippets of of actual video of people delivering an act real people delivering an acted performance and then deliver it at you through tiny little letter boxes ah. you know in the cover of a book or on a monitor screen or something and they're still doing that in this abduction thing and i have to start thinking that that's probably just a stylistic choice yeah. at this point because yeah. i remember um missed four i think the fourth one maybe the fifth one i can't remember which they actually had in-game you know animated npcs and they were delivering it in that way just like you'd see in many other computer games they didn't look terrible the lip sync was fine you know they were a reasonable number of polygons but for some reason with this abduction thing maybe it's quicker and easier i don't know but they've gone sort of back to delivering delivering sort of exposition from people at you through sort of fmv you know they appear in hologram freestanding hologram projectors or or or, you know or or screens that you see in game but there's this one really jarring thing because obviously because the, the you get there and there's one bloke who's actually alive and there in this this world and he's only talking at you from the other side of a locked hatchway in this vault he's hidden himself in and it, he sort of opens the porthole and, and <laughs> there's the fmv and it looks the lighting's odd and it's got weird edging yeah. and it just doesn't look right at all and you know he's thinking yeah okay i see what you're doing there and why why go to all the trouble of either buying in third party middleware or doing doing the entire thing from scratch just to make an animated npc for one or two bits of dialogue it's probably easier to stick with what you know but 
So I don't know, that, that's a bit weird, but um, but the rest of it's great. I mean, you know, the nature of the puzzles, particularly this sort of connectedness. With the, so you've got four, four entirely separate worlds, and basically they've, been, they've had a chunk taken out of them, quite a large, you know, the large play area, and, and swapped to another world. But yeah. then inside those worlds there's smaller spheres that go backwards and forwards between these other different worlds. And there are machines inside these spheres that let you just put chunk, you know, basically do the swap while you're okay. stood inside them. And so what you find is that you're start, I'm starting to see puzzles that involve changing bits of landscape for the... The, the, the landscape yeah. on the other world. For example, the the sphere I'm stood in has a has a, has a precipice and a, and a gap. If I and the, and the machine's on the edge. If I swap that sphere for, for on one world for the one in another world, that 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 one replaces it. And in that world, that section has a bridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I've got to a point. There's a series of link puzzles now where I'm having there are spheres within spheres, <laughs> and then you can rotate the spheres in one world and send them back, so they appear in the other world the other way yeah. around. It's just blowing my mind, and it's I'm really loving it. I mean, obviously I've got the hang of it. I conceptually understand what needs to happen now, and I've come across this one. The one I've stopped on at the moment is a large sphere made of four smaller spheres, and then inside each of these spheres are a bunch of pathways through a sort of maze. Yeah. So you have to sort of rotate the entire major sphere to get the one you want, then swap that back out to another world into where there's a machine that will rotate those, then swap it back, push it back and rotate the whole thing around. It's just I'm gonna need <laughs> I'm gonna need pen and paper. I got the pen and paper out again. Yeah. I love games where the pen and paper, you know, you're just sketching notes and I like I like looking back through a big pile of those like five years <laughs> later and working out what the hell's this? Are these spell casting runes from Underworld 2, maybe? But um, abduction has an interesting feature, which is really clever, and I didn't really understand to begin with. It has photos. Basically, you push spacebar, it takes a photo. Okay. Now and you think, well, okay, what's that for? Screenshots? You know, where's the share to Twitch button or whatever? But no, what that is is when you come across a note with the hints and the explanation yeah. of how the puzzle works, you just push space. That goes into your little photo album. Oh, you uh, can put it up again. yeah. Any point you push escape and look through your photos, and there are all the documents you've seen. Yeah. So all the hints for the puzzles you can take with you without having to do a whole load of sketching or draw weird little jagged lines on bits of paper scattered around your actual desk. It's the game provides the opportunity for you to basically capture anything you're looking at so that you can refer to it later without having to yeah. trek all the way back to that bit of paper again which is really nice i don't know if other games have done that i don't remember anything like that in witness but then witness wasn't really that kind of thing no that you you learned the rules and then you took the you know once you understood how each puzzle worked you could then you didn't really need to go and look back at hints and stuff but but no i'm really enjoying it and it's it was such a, i don't know how high key i suppose obviously if you're a big fan of mist and was it uru mist online yeah. Yeah. that sort of thing if you're a big fan of those you'd have, you'd have definitely been following this and known who the people were and have gone for it but i, I don't remember it much of a fuss but then i don't really pay much attention anyway as we as we know but i'm really enjoying it i don't know how long it is i'm i'm i'm, th I'm feeling quite self self smug and satisfied about having solved the puzzles i'm solving as quickly as i have but then perhaps everyone else has that, yeah. <laughs> that as well i don't know but that's it it is a game that makes you feel satisfied for being clever you know and you're sort of getting what it's trying to tell you you know oh this sphere can be rotated in the other world and brought back you know and then you know all these sorts of interconnectors. And of course, you've got four four or five different alien races and then the humans who'd been various... The humans have been abducted from various points from like 1800s through to about 2255 or something and brought to this place. And then they're all not there now for some reason, which I'm yet to discover. But there's all sorts of conjectures about the nature of it all. And, and a big a big sort of growing... You know, almost one of the first things, one of the first NPCs says to me in one of these holographic things is, don't trust anyone. I thought, oh God, here we go. <laughs> And already I'm discovering that there's this big sort of fundamental division in their approach to the big thing. And one one lot one one person wants to do this and the other person's not so sure and thinks we should probably do that. And I would I would 
I'm gonna I don't know eat a eat a very large thing if if I'm not gonna say eat my hat because I quite like my hat and I don't want to eat it but if if it turns out that the very first per, the person who's telling me to do all the stuff is in fact the villain then I'm gonna be quite disappointed because I've seen that happen almost every missed game to date so far you know and every other game to yeah date, in yeah fact. yeah it, oh if I had a penny for every time mission control was the villain I'd have at least 45 pence probably yeah maybe more there's a point where your plot twist is just a plot. I know, I know. It ceases to become a twist when you're expecting it from the get-go. So, And, yeah, and I was thinking about this as I was sort of doing his bidding. Uh, he hasn't proven to be the villain yet. I might be wrong, but that would be a nice change. That would be the <laughs> twist. Oh, he was on my side and, and genuinely concerned for my well-being all along. My God, I didn't see that coming. But the idea is that you know... And, and yeah, second and third playthroughs of these sorts of games. You play through it and you know that this guy's a wrong one. And so you think, right, my options here are to do everything he says and play the game. Yeah. Or my option is to not do what he says, just stand here. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like you actually have... It, it very much is the Bioshock thing, isn't it? I, <laughs> big spoiler for Bioshock now, everyone. If you've never played Bioshock and care, turn away now. But basically, the would-you-kindly thing. Yes. Yeah. And that was so clever, because it, I, I was really, really impressed when that when that was revealed <laughs> at the end there. Okay, yeah, the mission control voice was, was the villain, yeah. And, and, and all along, he'd been using the phrase, would-you-kindly go and do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, he didn't think anything of it. Just the characterization, just his way of speaking. So you go off and do it. And then it turns out, like, about three quarters of the way and you discover that you had been pre-programmed to respond to the, co the code would you kindly that was your like trigger phrase yes yeah. and the, your character that is but then you think about oh well, hang on i was doing that as well yeah. and then you start to get into some really bleak dark sort of unraveling threads about free will in in that sort of thing anyway but the basically the idea is okay i can in System Shock 2 is a fantastic example. Big spoiler for System Shock 2. Turns out Dr. Janice Polito is dead all along, and it was actually Showdown pretending to be. Really? Her. Yes, I know. <laughs> and and But again, you know, you sort of think, eh, okay. Because yeah. also you're finding audio logs from, from the actual Janice Polito as you're going yeah. through, and she sounds quite different. Yeah, she's the same <laughs> voice, but a different manner. It's yeah. much more meek and timid, and this, this sort of really commanding voice presence. And you think, eh, hello. But you think, well, yeah, okay, I know you're the villain, and a sensible person would stop and go walk away at this point or actively work to thwart you but I can't if I do that there is no there's no game here yeah so it, it makes no difference whatsoever. So I've learned not to worry about it anymore because well, it, I'm actually here to play a game. It reminds me of when you had what the problems you had playing um, um, thingy that indie game Oh, Stanley, uh, Stanley, no, Stanley Parable. Stanley Parable, yeah. Uh, Beginner's Guide I liked, and Stanley Parable yeah. I didn't like. Well, Stanley both Parable, very, both very was, similar. Stanley Parable was basically about yes. that, that whole, yes. are you going to do what you're told? Or are you not going to do it? Because this game gave you options for not doing what yeah, you were told. Yeah, but I was so used to there not being any option for not doing what you were told that I just didn't think to try that. Yeah. So I, I did what I was told and just felt really, and, and was just grim about it all and was glad when it was over. didn't really occur to me that any computer game could provide the level of free will that would allow you to reject the mission control yeah. voice and the Stanley Parable is interesting because of that yes I think I'm revising my opinion I mean my personal experience it was quite grim I but think you should play it again no, uh, well I, I, I think I might try and play again at some point and just detach myself from it and explore it as, as yes, what it is yeah. which I think probably is what most people do I get too into these games I, 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 I become the character I really roll with the role it might be it, worth even when I'm single player stuff. Yeah, it, it hurts me to say it but it might be worth exploring the option of looking for all the endings yeah yeah just yeah well, to plot it out see just how far it goes yeah because yeah, obviously if you if you do exactly what you're told it is over very quickly and leaves you quite unsatisfied and grumpy so, yeah, but so if you take the right hand <laughs> there probably is more more out there yes exactly um 
But yes, yeah, so in a way, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, if obduction is setting me up to go, oh no, I've been doing the villain's bidding all along and now I have to fix it. Because that, in a way, has become a kind of very, very um, commonly used narrative device in single player games anyway, which is why, you know, the, the mission control voice always turns out to be the villain. Yeah. It's because now you can you get to a, a sort of big third act reversal where you've, 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 you've understood that and now you can work to thwarting the villain yep. and you're even more determined to thwart the villain because he's made you look like a fool. Yeah. And so, you, <laughs> you know, it, it works well as, you know, pulling the little strings of the head to, to, to do that. But as you say, if, it, if every single third-person action-adventure game is essentially that, you start to just not notice, you start not caring anymore, you know? You think, oh, yeah, well, you might be the villain or you're not. You probably are, I don't care. Because at what point does wanting to play a game trump (laughs) obvious doing doing what makes sense? If you you don't do what the the mission control voice tells you, in most games, Stanley Parable notwithstanding, there is no game. You you stop, you go away, you stop playing, you know? And and ultimately, we're playing these games to be entertained. So a lot of that involves compromise with, all right, well, I'll go along with it because enjoying the game requires me to do so. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, um, abduction, very good. Mm. I recommend it. If obviously you've got to like that kind of game. If you just don't, if you're just not interested in mist or witness or whatever, I think it's easier than the witness, but more abs- less abstract. It's not you know a series of line puzzles dressed up as yeah. something fancy. It, it is a world with puzzles built into the world itself. Um, and yeah, I've, I've yet to come across any timed thing or anything that's shooting at me or anything like that. It is a very tranquil sort of thing. It is a walking simulator with puzzles and switches, you know. And if you like that kind of thing, this is a very good example of it. I'm enjoying it a lot, particularly the the very clever the the abduction mechanic itself. The idea of these spheres swapping between different yeah. worlds and how that relates to the the landscape and so on. Very good, liking that lot. Over to you. I got no more games. I'm going to talk about tabletop simulator a bit. Okay. We we are we're playing that on the Fridays. We 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 are halfway through a game of Eclipse. I've dug out my voice. Yes, yes, good prop there, like it. Um, yeah, well, I'm finding already that the, the actual game has a number of advantages over this, uh-huh. uh, or the, the tabletop simulator game, rather. Uh, well, for starters, I accidentally table flipped. I, I noticed that on Twitter. <laughs> there, was a lot, there was much hilarity. I was trying to click something, I clicked the wrong thing, and suddenly pff, everywhere drops into space. Um, but at which point, Asuka just kept pushing the back button he was hosting for us. He's got decent upload speed. so uh, And yeah, we just rewound time. See, the, the good thing about tabletop simulator is you have control over time time and space as well as the board game itself so things like being able to freeze the entire game its participants and its state and into a save game which you can only do in real life if you've got a dining room table no one's going to use for three weeks yeah um and we're going to pick that up we we tested it does load straight back up you pick you select which player you were and off you go again you carry on as if nothing had happened so we can pick that up for a second sitting next week which gives everyone time to go away and plot and scheme and do diplomacy (laughs) and stuff I'm particularly worried about the uh, the far end of the galaxy there. I think Asgar and, Asgar and Embryo are definitely tooling up a bit there. I've, I've, it's it's uh, the uh, white team and the blue team. There's so many ships and stuff going on over there. And, of course, I've done my usual thing of, of uh, peace, yeah, have you done peaceful expansion. <laughs> and I've, completely, I've built an interceptor once, I think. Mostly to explore with. Yes, yeah. No, I, yeah, I've got a vast productive empire with no defences whatsoever, and I'm just relying on the Do basic fundamental decency of, of my fellow players. To, Do they to, know? Um, well, it's obvious to see. You could, Okay. There's no hidden stuff. It's all on the table. Um, yeah, I think Wish has done something similar, but I think he probably got a cunning plan. He often does. But he's the red team. I was green. Um, yeah, it, it really good. And, and particularly for this, I remember trying to play that in a real game. It, it sort of worked, but yeah, well, it sort of worked. It was yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it is a lengthy game. It's what yeah. does it say on the box? We, we, were, we were curious actually as to what it said for it time. It says, oh, because we got a four-player game. 
30 minutes per player. 30 minutes per player. Oh. Two to six players. So we're already into about three hours, and we're probably, and probably, and then we're on turn five. So, I mean, we had a false start because we mixed up the tiles wrong or something. So we had to go and take it away and uh, and start again. So that was half an hour. But yeah, yeah, I think I think we're going to be looking nearer to five or six hours. I think for four players, but and I don't think that's necessarily tabletop simulator's fault either. I think it is just a complicated game. But what we're finding though is the usual thing, isn't it? It's the terrifying rules explanation at the start, and then the first few turns, and eventually you get the rhythm going, and it is going through the box. It speeds up a great deal. Um, but of course, the next time we play it, we'll have probably forgotten. But it seems we, we were enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to the second seat sitting, the uh, the, the uh, exciting new um, I was going to show the pieces, but they look exciting. Little spaceships and stuff. They, the pieces on the tabletop simulator are spot on. They, are they? The, yeah, the, even the little ships look the same as the oh, classic ones. Someone's done a really good mod job of modelling those and everything. So this is really interesting. I particularly like the playmat that comes with the tabletop simulator version as well, big sort of gal- galactic background, mm. and it's got the sort of markers for where the hexagons should go, which is nice. Um, we had to s- keep scaling the tiles down a bit, make them 95% because they weren't, they were sort of uh, yeah. sitting on top of each other, not, not going down nicely. So we had to sort of shrink the tiles. Again, you can do that with tables. Yeah. So you shrink the pieces and they sit down much better. So lots of advantages there. Um, Really enjoying it. Looking forward to the the second half. Of course, if this works, then we might start looking at uh, Twilight Imperium, the big setting. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have to send everyone over with weighty PDFs to go and read or whatever. But uh, we might try a few more more casual, light-hearted things for a few weeks after this, though. But it works well. I, I'm, I'm, I think we had a couple of spectators in as well, watching watching the proceedings. I think we, it's yeah, tabletop simulator it takes ten players. So I think we had three or four people watching. So that was good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Looking like that a lot. It's, I mean, really pepped up the Fridays again I think I was getting a bit bit, bit bored of your guns of Icarus to be honest I yeah. was getting a bit samey but uh, but yeah tabletop board gaming on, on a virtual sense it's great <laughs> so I'm done do you spill if you go along to halomotortime.com you can find all our previous episodes and if you go along to uh, uh, iTunes and your other favourite podcast catchers but not on blackberry apparently because that's not currently working uh you can um find all of our previous episodes and give us a uh, review which says you like the show or even you don't like the show because i don't think it actually matters um if you go <laughs> just to, anything yeah if you go on, some lorem it's fine if you go along to youtube then you can find our videos which is this show cut up into bits plus the odd other video including tim hiking and things like that so uh, join us next time when there'll be more games see you next time